This is the Amateur Skeptics Podcast number 291. I'm your host, Brian. Jordan is evening, Mac. Good evening, everybody. And Mad Cat is with us. Hello, hello. Ian has returned. Greetings and salutations, all. And we have the Mad Cat himself, or the dumbass himself, not the Mad Cat himself. <laughs> that was bad. Whoops. And we have the dumbass himself. I'm here to dig my claws into you. <laughs> I'm not. Slowly make love. <laughs> I'm not fixing that. <laughs> that, 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 that slip is definitely going in. <laughs> That's too good. What's going on, guys? Gals. Um, guys and gals. Doing pretty oh, good? Like you having a kid graduate. Ah, yes. So, mm-hmm. yep. so see, we're caught up. You still have one to go because you broke the pattern. Yeah, sorry we, about that. We, we would have a kid, then you had a kid. Yeah. We would have a kid, then you have a kid. Then somehow this third kid came out of nowhere from you, which I never figured out why. It's like, wait, wait we didn't have a third kid. Why did you? So it didn't come out of nowhere um, it's because we were fucking <laughs> but you broke the pattern we did break the pattern that's true i know yeah yeah i know so we both had graduates and so yeah so they're so they're out of the house now right <laughs> <laughs> yeah in this economy uh, that's funny i've got i have two graduates at home same here yep oldest has got a job at least and she's putting a lot of money away so that's good that's good yeah yep she can decide what she wants to do, and she'll have enough money to go and make it happen. Hopefully. I hope so. That is, that is the hope, right? <laughs> Hayden's taking a year off. Then he's going to do some business courses and try and open his own coffee house. That's his plan. Tatiana has to finish her CCNA test, right? She, so she needs, to, she needs to study up on all the pieces that she was weak on in the pretest and then go take that, and then she'll have a CCNA. And uh, I don't know what we're going to do from there. But it would be nice if she can get, you know, go get a job, you know, and do, some, I don't know, intern or something and, and, and see if that's something she's even interested in. Right. Because just taking the tests and stuff like that, I mean, she doesn't she hasn't really immersed herself in, in, you know, in networking and technology and stuff like that. So she's got a, I feel like she needs to uh, get a little bit more exposure um, to, to find out what it's actually like. And then, oh, I don't know if you know this, but Mike's son, Alistair, who's the um, narrator for my audiobook stuff, just got married. Oh, he got married? Oh. Yep. So wow. Mike is a father-in-law. Wow. Okay. That'll oh, make you feel old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all, all the kids we had around us with g- gaming are all adults now. That's yep. kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. What are Georgia and Owen up to? Okay, so... The last podcast I was on, you guys were busy talking about how I need to promote it as a romance. And so I gave in a peer pressure <laughs> and <laughs> I took the three point flashback story from the novel A Day at George Ramon's Place. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was advocating not quite for romance, but for down and dirty porn, baby. <laughs> <laughs> With flowing hair. But so basically, I took the courtship of George Ramon, the three part flashback story from A Day at George Ramon's Place. Um, which is, I, I, I still tell everyone, it's basically the equivalent of When Harry Met Sally, but told with um, two Master Mage dragons. Um, except for the fact that instead of ending with um, a New Year's Eve party, it ends with a um, life and death wizarding duel. I, you know, I don't recall any scene in there after reading it where they were showing each other how well they could fake an orgasm. <laughs> 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 Wizarding duel. Those are the kind of things where uh, each uh, each player turns into uh, a different animal to try to get at each other. That uh, that's definitely some stuff I could see them doing in the future. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I ever write the novel you're asking for, 
that could I could very much see George <laughs> Mind having that as part of their play. <laughs> At least you understand what he's asking for. Yes, you completely. Know, um, Tom Smith, uh, the filker, has a song called Kitsune, Kitsune and the Master of Zen, and it, it's basically exactly like that. Like, um, at one point, he turns himself into a katana. Uh, she turns herself into a scabbard. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Brian's wife used to listen to that one song about the orgy where... Oh, yeah. The main character's like a mix of a dozen different animals or something. And the uh, chorus was, Mommy never t- talks about the orgy. Yep. <laughs> but if there's another, another one like it, I have to go. Yeah, I'm trying to think that something... Um, who was that? That was... That was Mercedes Lackey. There you and go. It was Misconceptions. There you go. Yes, that is a funny song. I'm that one. It's one of my favorites. Yep. All right. Now, Brian's wife oh. seemed to listen to that quite a bit for a while. There. I remember hearing it over and over again. Well, now all, we're, now all we hear is Eurovision songs. We, uh, we, 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 um, we've got Peacock now, right? Mm. And, uh, and NBC has the rights to restream all the Eurovision stuff. So the kids have been going all through it. You know, they've watched all of that. And, and, and Jen with them have watched all the Eurovision stuff. And they also watched the American Song Competition, which other than the, 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 um, the act that won, every single other song I think was a step below what you see on Eurovision, right? So, mm-hmm. so we were a little bit behind. But um, the, the act that won, uh, Alexa, well, with the song Wonderland, she's, she's from Oklahoma and she was, she's, uh, she's a K-pop star. Right, so she she lives and works over in uh, in Korea, um, and so she's you know training as a she well she has a few songs out, but of course she's trained as a K-pop star, and uh, well her she she was a step above everybody who entered that contest. It was pretty clear from the beginning she was going to win. Yeah, you know, talking about uh, Filk song, there is a there is this one song I've got I've heard that is all about this SCA event that the uh, essentially the world turned against them including lightning storms and bees. And I happened to mention it to this uh, this guy that I did the art recently. And he's like, oh, yeah, I was at that event. Yeah, it was that bad. What event is this? <laughs> it was the Penzik War at the SCA. And okay. basically the uh, there was a, a bad thunderstorm and sent people in metal armor running for shelter because they... <laughs> We're afraid of lightning bolts, and then there were bees. The SCA is LARPing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Society Society for Creative Anachronism. Okay. But um, yeah, I apparently I he said that the the story about the bees is true. They had to put people in the water and cut them out of their armor by cutting the straps because they had bees. Oh no! <laughs> that's, that's not oh, funny. That'd give you a buzz. Wow. Okay. I think we better move on after that. Yeah. Hey, Mad Cat, what time hey. is it? Well, I suppose the time would be Ian and Dumbass's Masturbation Moment, brought to you by the Dumbass Media Empire. The Amateur Skeptics present Ian's Masturbation Moment, brought to you by the Dumbass Media Empire. The Dumbass Media Empire, bringing you content that touches people while they touch themselves. And, and I thank Ian and Dumbass for letting me put the story in this week. Wasn't that, wasn't that kind of them? That was kind of them. Uh, you are very welcome, Brian. <laughs> so what I put in here, this was a, am I the asshole? 
And uh, if you haven't read it, stay away from the comments because I'd like to get your fresh opinions after after we get, after I go through it here as to what you th- I think I think you'll I think you can already guess what's in the comments, but 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 stay away from them, okay? Fair enough? All right. Okay. So, um so this woman's husband, 33, has a friend, Carl, who's also 30, 33, and apparently they they're they're very close and they they um I I think that to say their childhood friends, either way, you know, um, her husband often calls uh, uh, Carl his nicotine because you know when they're not together they miss each other. They're they've co- their co-works at the same job, and uh, three months ago, uh, Carl's um, wife died of cancer. Oh, okay. Actually, correction there. It's been about a year and three months because the post was done about a year ago. Okay, that's fine. It doesn't matter. The, 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 this is what it says. It says three months ago. Fine, it was a year and three months ago. That it doesn't matter. At this point in, in the story, when the story was told, it was three months. Is that better, Ian? Yeah, but she actually doesn't. Uh, the, the main reason I brought that up is I'm actually reading her update on oh. everything that says um, it's been a year. I will, I'll let you cover the update. Oh, yeah. That's that's great that you have an update. Let me cover the original story. Oh yeah. Okay, great. Okay, so at this point, it had been three months. Apparently, that's important now. I was unawares. <laughs> Um, and so the, and so her and her husband are going on a vacation and she didn't know that Carl was coming until they went to pick him up. And so, and, and so she, and of course he always plays the, well, you know, he, he's, you know, his wife just died card a lot apparently. And so she, she's like, fine, whatever they, they go. And then, but then she finds out, oh, well he doesn't have any, he hasn't been working for the last three months. So his money's tight. And so we'll just all stay in one hotel room. Right. So she says, okay, fine. And of course they're paying for it. They're paying for the hotel. That's important. And so they, he says, you know, we'll be at the beach most of the day anyway. We're just going to be sleeping in there. Okay, fine. So apparently they were out doing something and she was at home. She was at the, in the hotel, in the beds asleep. And um, he comes in and wakes her up and, and tells her to go move to the mattress on the floor. She's like, what? She's like, well, Carlos is our guest, and I can't ask Carlos to sleep on the floor. So, and, and to have you sleep in the bed would be weird with him. So you sleep on the floor, and I'll sleep in the bed with Carlos. And she got pissed and went well, home. I've slept on the floor. I've uh, Madcap, uh, over at your place, I slept on a mattress on the floor. You, you can tell your... Yes, to sleep on a mattress on the floor. You absolutely can. Yes. So her husband told her that she was um, that you know that uh, that basically she was you know that she was overreacting and 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 um, you know tried to play the you know the the usual you know his you know whatever card. And when they got back, and so she, I think she went home. She she was pissed, and and when they got back, my husband refused to talk to her and said it's she, he refused to talk to her, but also said. That uh, that she ruined everything for Carlos, and she says, oh, you know, yeah. she says, I admit Carlos is struggling, um, but but for him to, you know, can you imagine <clears throat> telling your wife to go sleep on the floor because he's the guest and in a hotel he can sleep on, on a the vacation fucking floor? That's supposed to be the two of them right. without the guest, exactly, yeah. right. So yeah, that's, uh, so without I mean, yeah, uh, she's definitely not the asshole. So could, exactly, she's not the asshole. But can you guess what the comments are saying? Oh, I'm I'm sure pretty much all of them are saying that uh, he's gay and they're having a gay. Exactly. Event. How long has he been? <laughs> how long has he been sleeping with Carlos? And, and maybe, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, that that's definitely a uh, a very distinct possibility. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, bet against it going that way. But you know, it's also possible that he just kind of has a 
a, a weird um, uh, relationship uh, with the, that um, uh, a, a little oh, what what's that word that you use um, a um, next one uh, no, no uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out here that men can be physically close without being gay it's not the cultural norm in the U S but it's the cultural norm in a lot of other places okay but Mac it's are a, you gonna are you gonna kick your wife out of your bed so that you can sleep with your friend Carlos? Uh, that seems unlikely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's uh, if, simply... if that's your idea, the thing you should do is, uh, all right, Carlos, should... uh, but then it does seem weird putting Carlos in the bed with your Well, that seems, well, yeah, but why, Carlos can sleep on the floor. Oh, Carl, Carl. Yeah. I keep saying Carlos. I keep saying Carlos is Carl. They, they Carl. say Carl for short, but Carlos, uh, they said Carlos uh, in the first place. Oh, they did? Okay. Okay, yeah. so it wasn't just me. <laughs> I thought I was being racially insensitive. Oh, actually, no. And no, I may have uh, been wrong. I'm, God, I'm not used to this site, so I may have been wrong about my update. I think I was looking at someone else's post. Oh, this post is from 2013. So not one year. Well, that's what it looks like, except for it says eight days ago. Is there and an update? I, was at that, I looked like it was an update to this one, said five days ago, but it looks like it's an update to a different one. Okay. But the, that, that, but the thing is, the update to the other one sounds exactly like what would fit for this one because it's talking about how it's been a year since I made the post. Um, a lot of things have changed. Basically, this person, whoever the previous post was, divorced her controlling husband. So that's why I was reading this. Like, okay, that's, that's the word like I was a, looking for. Codependent. Yeah, it sounds okay. like a really good update to that one, but it's an update to a different one where the person sounds like they did the right thing, realizing the um, relationship was overly controlling and her needs weren't being met, and so they divorced the asshole and left. The, the, the whole but, thing strikes me as a little bit weird. Yes, it is. It, it's um, whether or not they're they're having uh, any kind of gay relationship. It is a little bit uh, uh, a little bit of a disruptive relationship uh, to uh, their marriage. And I think that's something uh, that they that uh, he really should uh, come forth with it and like try to like bring, bring some sort of a better balance. To it. Yeah, no, I'm all for being there for your friends and stuff. But this is a yeah. bit extreme. <laughs> Or, you know, I might be giving him too much of the benefit of the doubt and he's just having a gay relationship with him. Who knows? <laughs> well, if he's having a gay relationship with him, what he needs to be is he needs to be more honest with him. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But, yep. You know, so. my bottom line... Oh, either way, he needs to be more honest with his wife, I think. Oh, yeah. Matt, dumbass, you totally talked over... <laughs> I'm sorry. Finish your thought, Matt, uh, Mac. I just... Just that. The, my, my bottom line is that so. Communication. We talk about communication so much in this show. It's almost like it's an ongoing issue with humanity. But it doesn't sound like that's his bottom line. That Well, I don't know. You know, we, <laughs> we, we have a very small window in, into their relationship. That is true. And that we're, ma we're making a lot of judgments. That yeah, is well, true. That's one thing with any format like this where it's like, here's my story. You get my my perspective, my point of view, and I tell me whether or not I'm the asshole. Uh, most of the time, your point of view is going to be a bit adjusted to make it look like you're not the asshole. And you know that there are other yeah. possibilities too. Like uh, even if he he might not be having a gay affair, but he might want to have a gay affair yeah. with Carlos, and that that's uh, a part of us. Going, and and it might be that Carlos um, d doesn't want him in that way, and uh, it's a thing like that. that there are a number of uh, ways that uh, this situation could actually, you know, be in reality. And yeah. it's really hard for us to, uh, we, we can only speculate, really. We can. And we, 
we can go into all our past um, conversations on this kind of stuff because maybe the family, the couple would work great with an open relationship kind of thing if they'd sit back and talk about it and he'd be like, you know what, let me explore this side of me and maybe things would be better for us. And, you know, we could sit back and try to view it from both sides of the situation yeah. or we could just or we could just be, you know, fucking judgy. And I, I'm down with judgy right now. <laughs> OK, the scorpions don't mind. <laughs> Oh, wait, but we're supposed to be judgy, aren't we? Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No other thinking, sign is as judgy as Scorpio. I'm sitting here thinking, <laughs> wait a minute, were there scorpions on the floor with the mattress? <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, right, exactly. And yeah, he wanted her to sleep said, there. Yeah, exactly. That's horrible. Now we're adding to it. <laughs> we're making our own story. <laughs> we'll write it down. It'll be the next Georgie and Armand novel. Hey, that sounds interesting. <laughs> Ian, write this one Georgie. now. All right. Let's move on to tr- to troglodytes? Troglodytes? Trilobites. Trilobites, sorry. Trilobites. Not troglodytes. Trilobites and troglodytes, troglodytes are two very different things. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do tell. <laughs> that is your fact for today. Now <laughs> to the next article. And now we're done. Let's move on. This is uh, uh, an interesting article. A trial of bites, as uh, you may know, these uh, uh, kind of uh, ovalish creatures that lived uh, billions of years ago, back in uh, the Cambrian period, from the, the from fossil de- deposits that uh, uh, range from the Cambrian period to the per- Permian period, that they've uh, found this uh, fossil in question. The thing, the thing about the fossil is, uh, it was um, uh, it was broken. In such a way that uh, straight through uh, it, that they could uh, see some of uh, thing uh, internal parts that they weren't able to uh, see in uh, most fossils, including a pair of tiny legs that wouldn't have uh, reached the ocean floor. Um, uh, that uh, they have deduced uh, based on similar uh, uh, appendages from crabs were probably used for mating, for grasping onto. Uh, the uh, the lady troglodyte. Uh, a book and, uh... <laughs> Sorry, uh, let me stop you there. Trilobites, not troglobites. Troglobites is me. You're talking about trilobites. <laughs> God damn it, Brian! <laughs> <laughs> oh, you messed me all up. So yes, they use them to fuck. <laughs> And this is why we don't work in broadcasting. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, and the translation for that, for those who need it to be a little bit blunter, them's they fucking let. Petty palps, right? Aren't petty palps this? I don't know. Uh, one thing that really surprised me, because um, like uh, I never really thought about it before. You you just hear people say, uh, "Oh, then the trilobites emerge, and they like uh, were all over the place for the longest time." Um, uh, but uh, like. Um, the there were like a, a lot of different um, uh, species of trilobites uh, apparently. Um, uh, these these ones uh, uh, they were called were the, the oleanoid, um, mm-hmm. and they, um, they, they they're actually that in Toronto. Out. You could go see them. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the Museum of Nature and Science here in Denver, um, in their uh, prehistoric journey, they have a whole wall with like a couple dozen different trilobites and showing the evolutionary. Um, lineage of them. 
they, they figure that um, uh, different uh, trilobite species would, would have different ways of mating. Right. Uh, so this isn't even like the definitive thing of this is how trilobites mate. This is just how these certain trilobites mate. I know that the, the Houston Nature, uh, they, they have a, um, the Science Museum down here is a, a, they have a very large collection of these. Yeah, there, there seem to be a fairly common thing um, for people to study for evolutionary reasons. You know, well, I think they've, go ahead. I think they've still got an, I think they've still got a descendant living right now, which is the, uh, the roly poly. Possibly. Uh, Although this, this article itself mentions the horseshoe crabs, which I know are a, um, long-lived species that so they've been around for some time now um you know so that seems to be suggesting that the horseshoe crab itself is related to them which is believable okay well, you know uh as we know uh, crab-like features uh are something that is very common to happen even in just like convergent evolution yeah, yeah. right it didn't well, matt we, cover a whole thing on crabs we did we talked about the fact that crabs will apparently try some evolutionary things and then reset back to their primary. If it didn't yeah, work, I, I they'll reset that. back to, they'll reset to their basic crab shape. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so it makes sense. Yeah, that and the, other creatures will, de will develop a crab like uh, features as well. Yeah. Despite the um, Hollywood fantasy stuff, evolution doesn't have a path. It just does what it does as it wants to do it. <laughs> Yeah, they, and they, this is just like a, a really successful uh, a design feature. It, yeah, it, it, it's so good that uh, creatures just keep on defaulting to it. Yeah, yeah, they they, they keep trying shit, and then it works. That becomes the new evolved form. Yeah, mm -hmm. because they don't get eaten as much. Well, I mean, I imagine there were so many of them that that probably they were a food source for something. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's there's lots and lots of different species of them. Or, or I, I guess, would they be different species of uh, trilobites? Yeah. Uh, different. Well, apparently they are related to, uh, they are related to spiders, scorpions, mites, and horseshoe crabs, as well as mandibulates like crustaceans, myriapods, and insects, or both. The uh, the roly polies are crustaceans. Yeah. They're not insects. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, now, okay. So, so there's a, what's what's it what's the difference between an insect and a and a crustacean? Well, what's the, what's the difference? Hmm. That's an interesting point. I think that the I think that all the crustaceans, for one thing, all the crustaceans actually breathe through stiffened gills rather than insects breathe through pores in their abdomen. Okay, that's one thing. You ever thought that um, to a scorpion, a lobster is a mermaid? Okay. Ah, insects evolved from crustaceans. Okay. Differences They're... are kind of difficult to uh, find because they evolved from crustaceans, and so a lot see. of similarities there. So yeah. dumbass. Absence of the backbone, hard exoskeleton, jointed legs, and segmented bodies. Dumbass. Now I can't unthink. <laughs> all right. But I mean, the the absence of a backbone is common to, uh, you know, all insects and arthropods, and you know, anything anything that's ex exoskeletal. They've got a spinal cord, but not a spine, because mm -hmm. they don't have a skeleton except on the outside. But they still have some sort of 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 cord, spinal cord. Yeah, they've got a spinal mm -hmm. cord. Just their their actual skeletal structure is external. Okay, so I imagine that still in that skeletal structure that that there's a housing for that. Yeah, it's just just floating around, right? I mean, I suppose it could be. I mean, um, it's inside. I mean, in humans, it's awfully delicate. Yeah. And, and it's protected. I, I don't know. 
oxygen and metabolism. I, it's interesting, you know, that I, I, you know, that I, I always considered a, a roly-poly is an insect. And so we have these catch-all categories where things get put, right? right. We do this well, with food a lot. It'd be more accurate to call roly-poly a bug and have that be the catch-all for it. Well, well okay. So insect is more specific, right? So they're all yes. bugs. Okay. Well, crustaceans pretty specific, they're I guess. They're not technically yeah. a bug. Yeah, they're not technically a bug. Well, I don't think bug is a scientific category. It's, it's a not. more generalized. We call every little creepy crawly thing a bug. Right, but crustacean would be, right? A terrestrial crustacean that looks like an insect. Okay. Oval-shaped with seven sets of legs and a hard outer shell. Wait, seven? Oh, seven sets of legs. Okay. Yeah, seven sets of legs. Well, Mac, instead of, instead of doing that, why don't you tell us about ick? Well, well, let's talk about parasites. Okay. Well, hold on a second. I okay. just found the answer. Oh, you did? Okay, good. The crustacean spinal cord. So let's... Oh, they have gills. Yeah, that's what he was saying, hardened gills. Yep. Just like the hermit crabs, they breathe through stiffened gills, um, which is why they're able to breathe air or water. Mm. Okay. So it looks like their nerve cord that essentially serves the place of a spine is actually in there. It goes through the underside of their body. So it go, would go along the uh, along the chest and the abdomen instead. Okay. Oh, this is interesting. I, I never considered, you know, that that you know where that stuff might get moved, and and if you and if you didn't have an internal skeleton, you had an external skeleton, where that stuff might end up. I had thought about it before. Know. But they have a high tolerance for ammonia gas, so they don't urinate. Instead, they excrete waste fluids through their shells. As for solid waste, their diet includes self capra prophagy, eating their own feces, which allows them to obtain nutrients they may have missed in the first digestive cycle. When mm. it comes to their drinking, roly-polies have two choices. They can drink from their mouths, like most creatures, or they can use tube-shaped structures that jet out of their rear ends. Okay. Okay. Well, they're cool little creatures. Yeah, this sounds like there's a lot more going on there. Uh, yep. But let's move on to talk about Ick. Alright. Um, so... I'm not going to pronounce the full name of it. What? It is a shortened... I'm not going... <clears throat> All right. Ichthyo... Ichthyotherius... Therius... Multifilis. Mac, better you, or, better you attempt it than me or Brian. That's true. That's so true. <laughs> That's, true. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, essentially, it's commonly called ick, uh, not because it's icky looking, but it's because it's a shortening of that, the name of the parasite. What it will appear as it? on your fish is it will appear as white spots, but these white spots are basically just the parasite breeding and trying to get out into the open. And it's it's taking place a lot more internally. One of the things they do that is so deadly to the fish is they will get on the fish's gills and thereby uh, hamper respiration. What are they feeding off of? They're feeding off your fish. Right, but what, what specifically about the fish are they feeding? Uh, wherever they happen to be at on the fish. They eat the scale material. They okay. eat the muscle material. They eat the gill material. Uh, they just kind of generally eat whatever's in your... And um, I just went through a bout of this in my tank. And it took a surprisingly small number of fish, probably because I caught it fairly early and I knew what it was. But I still did lose some quarry cats and all but one of my serpe tetra. So this must happen in the wild. It, it, true. In, in, in that case, do the, do the fishes die, or is there some way to deal with it in the wild? 
that, that a fish uh, might have that they don't have in the tank. In the wild, it's not going to be so concentrated, we might guess. Sure. I have never given, I honestly have never given, given thought to what it's like in the wild. I'm sure that there are fish that get infected by it, and the other fish probably just call them out. Okay. It's a major problem to freshwater aquarists and commercial fish producers. Right, cause, yeah, because yeah, because it's a, it's an isolated environment. So what they're suggesting though is that they're, everybody have two tanks, a holding tank and your main tank. Do you have two right. tanks? I do not have a quarantine tank at this point. Yeah, that's a lot of I mean, that's a lot of space. Yeah, that's a lot of. And at the point work. that it happened, a quarantine tank wouldn't have helped because if one fish is infected, you pretty much have to assume everybody's got some. So how do you deal with it? So there are chemicals. Uh, there are about 11 or 12 different cures that I looked at and studied before I went back to the old standard. A lot of the cures, uh, so in every case, you're going to want to stop carbon filtration because the carbon will, will basically neutralize the components in the treatment. Okay, that makes sense. But in most cases, the treatments are harder on fish that are considered to be scaleless fish where they've got softer scales and they are a lot harder on if you happen to have snails in the tank and i do happen to have snails in my tank and i also have coolie loaches which are considered to be scaleless fish and they're considered to be kind of delicate fish although my coolie loaches are like a virus because they just kind of keep getting better um they just keep getting bigger and they keep you know they keep surviving anything that gets thrown at them and this is happening through a category, through a combination of feeding them and generally not fucking. But anyway, the, the treatment that I went back to, bottom line is look and find the treatment that is going to work best with your tank. But the treatment that I went back to is the old Noxic, which I believe contains some methylene blue. And that Noxic, with the more delicate fish, you want to apply a half dose. What I did was I applied a dose of Noxic on one day, and then the next day, I applied a dose of what's called Melifix, which is a tea tree derivative. And what that does is it helps boost their slime coat and their immunabilities and tries to, you know, basically any open injuries that tea tree oil will kind of act as a, a, a light antibiotic. Again. Okay. But it's also not unknown for this to get into somebody's tank and wipe out the whole tank. Well, that's what I, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Days. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't take long at all because they only have uh, 48 hours, I think it says, to uh, to go from one host to another host before they die, the uh, cilia. It's nasty stuff. Yeah. Hey, but we're not done with parasites yet. Oh, no. No, no. no, I I saw what parasite you got. We're not going to talk about Ted Cruz. I thought we agreed on that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Different, different, uh, not not necessarily a blood-sucking parasite. (laughs) Oh, it does take nutrients. So, so when I when I read about ick and it was a parasite, I I remembered hearing a story about a parasite that takes over a fish's tongue and 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 and, and becomes their tongue. It removes the tongue completely. It removes the tongue, tongue completely. So, um, and I'm sure it has a genus name in here that, uh, um, but but anyway, so what? So the, this is so the, this other one is so this this parasite it it comes in through the fish's gills. And and then what it does is it it it, it, it so it's, it's extremely small and then it grows to to the size of the tongue I guess and then it 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 cuts off the um, the blood supply to the tongue uh, to to the fish's tongue and then and then the, the the tongue will fall off 
and then this then this parasite will attach there and become the fish's tongue. Wow. Yeah. And these yeah. and 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 here's the thing that this is a large parasite. You know, when you look at it, I mean, it's it's it can be you know an inch or two long. I, I imagine yeah. it depends on the fish. Uh, apparently, um, the fish that it they like. Um, let's see, I what they they. So they refer to it regularly as being a louse. So it's a yeah. type of light. eating louse. Yeah. So that's. Um, but what, what they they t- they say in here? What can I, I'm actually looking at the second article because there's a lot more information in it that I put in. But this, but uh, it it likes some sort of was it a trout or something? Uh, the fish they're talking about is a is a ras. Yeah, that that's and so like, they found it in a ras, but that's not the usual fish that it. Um, oh, they that like they, find they like snappers. Snappers, yeah. Okay, so so they find it in snappers, but apparently <laughs> it can be it can if it can be found in these um, in. The rasper, it can probably be found in a lot of different. I mean, it, it, who knows where where they're going to find this parasite? So once it attaches, it 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 it, uh, it becomes a tongue, and then it, and then it feeds it and it feeds off of two different. It can feed off of I guess two different ways, and there are three different parasites that that will do this. The um, they're only talking about one in particular because um, they know the most about it in Cymotha. Exigena. I don't know. I can that. Forget it. Let me give it a shot. Are you, okay, good. <clears throat> Samothia exigua. That's the one that we're talking about. Yeah, I see. Yeah, and there are two other two other parasites that that also and so it, and it said that it feeds off of the blood of, of the fish and also can feed off of the mucus. So it can feed. So it feeds. It can feed in two different ways, and then and then after that, it 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 after it attaches, it feeds, has babies. Would they get released? And then, in, and it, and apparently the the fish, um, they 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 do the the biggest harm is that they beca- can become a little bit emaciated. But I think if they have a big enough food supply, that this this parasite might not ever be a problem for them. Okay. Uh, so I have two questions here. Okay. Or two observations. First of all, it goes from being a parasite to being a symbiotic organism. Y- yeah, it's still a parasite though. Yeah. Second well, observation. No, I- Oh, Mac, I disagree with it being symbiotic. It gives nothing to the fish. Right. Uh, it, it lives off the fish fully. It yeah. doesn't actually give anything back. There's no benefit to the fish itself for having this. Except for the fish does not die right away because the uh, well, insect no, acts as a well, it performs. Okay, wait, wait. Well, well, you never know. It could, it could be a, a sexual selection thing. Maybe women prefer <laughs> males with fish tongues. One of the articles does actually specifically say there's no benefit to the fish um, for having this parasite. So, um, it, because basically, if it's taking over the function of the tongue, the reason it's doing that is because it destroyed the tongue in the first place. Yeah. So, right. the, 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 there's no actual benefit. The, the fish itself doesn't gain anything it wouldn't have in any ways. So, it, it could not be considered a symbiotic relationship. It, it's all one way. It's a parasite. So, one right. of the things I noticed in the first article is that one of the ways they noticed it on the ras fish was that the ras fish was eating not uh, not kelp but other fish? Okay. Or no, eating bugs. So it had changed the fish's diet. Oh, that's interesting. I thought so. Mm-hmm. So it uh, says down know, here what what fishes do they do they attach to? So there's actually quite a few different fishes. It's um, seven species of Persephimorus, three spe- uh, seven species of Persephimorus, three species of snapper. So the Colorado snapper, the red snapper, and the Jordan snapper. Uh, three species of croak slash drum. One species of grunt. 
Grunt and one of Grunt Union. Gr- Grunt Union. And one species Grunion. of... What is it? Oh, no. Nemo. Grunion. Grunion. And one yeah. species of Alternformus. So they found it in, you know, what, in 14, 16 different types of fish. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, too, is that it can make it so that the animal doesn't get enough food. And if the fish dies, the parasite just moves on to the next Are you sure? Fish. Does it move on to mm-hmm. a new host? It says, it yes. Says Is that what it says? Wow. So it can They just move will on move it. on okay. to a next host. The fish could die, but hey, they don't lose anything by it. Right, but if, the next one. if they can live together, that's best for the parasite. You know, so hopefully if there's oh, enough yeah, food but... supply there, it, the, the fish might live forever. Right? The potential's there. Or maybe they don't know for yeah. sure. I mean, maybe it is short term because it is, it is, you know, siphoning resources well, from the fish. The big side effect is that fish sometimes end up a little underweight. That's what it said. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sounds like it, 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 it sounds like if everything goes right, the fish itself doesn't really notice. It, it can keep on living. But once more, like I said, that, that doesn't mean it's symbiotic because the fish itself gains nothing. It just keeps no, on yeah, going. Yeah, it's not symbiotic. I think I agree so with that. It's not a dangerous parasite all in all. I don't know. The, the fish did lose his it tongue. It takes away his tongue. Well, but it got a new one. Uh, yeah, the... okay. With okay, let... so let's, let's take a fictional example here. Um, Stargate, the Jaffa, they lose their immune system and get their immune system replaced by a gold symbiote. Yeah. Yeah, that's, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> also, they've been found in crabs. These These parasites have been found in Crabs and clams. Did, okay. Would they replace a crab's tongue? It doesn't mm-hmm. go into that much detail. Okay. It just says they've been found. In. Interesting. All right. Ian's got one in here about about uh, animals. So th- no, no animals do not have gender. So this is an interesting article, and it is one that I can very much see having some debate within it. But the basic idea is animals in general do not have gender. And the argument is... Gender roles themselves um, are something that comes because of culture. And it goes in the fact that the animals take on the perceived gender roles, not because it's male or female, but because that's what's needed in order to um, provide for the offspring and stuff. And within the animal kingdom, gender roles are not as defined as we'd like to think they are. Um, you know, it, it goes through examples of, um, you know, the, the, the diversity within the animal kingdom of, all the different, you know, the males and females do not follow any necessarily guidelines for nature. You know, what we consider male and female gender roles do not fit at all across the board. Every species goes completely different paths depending on what is needed within that um, species, with everything collected. And it gets in some interesting points about human um, gender roles because it's talking about that comes up, we know this from being able to look back at culture. Um, depending on what our culture itself needs, that's often how we determine the gender roles. And we really get into this is where you have to be. And sometimes it doesn't even necessarily line up to what would be the best. So, but it, the foundation of I mean, this has to be what the difference is between sex and gender. Yes, it does. Right. It de- definitely gets into that. It, it talks um, regularly about that. So, what's it saying the difference is? And then, well, yeah. So, um,. Yeah, let me see if I can find the... Uh. <laughs> I mean, that's important. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, go ahead. It seems to focus more on the culture stuff than that, that difference. Yeah. I, I know he, he gets into it. 
But uh, well, he, but we could talk about it. He does go to the scientific definition that we did way back when, when we were talking about the one species that actually the male got pregnant and says basically, se- you know, the, the sex is whichever, you know, the female is the um, one that produces the larger sexual reproductive cell. That, you know, they do mention that in here. It seems like what he say, he's arguing is, is not necessarily about uh, animals having genders, but that, uh, about there being any kind of consistent gender, because it, it does seem like, it, in the case of most animals in any case, that there are differences in general behaviors amongst males. And, uh, right, but, it, but, it, but there's no solid guidelines. And I, I think he even goes into some of that. Um, we've seen species change that around as needed. Mm-hmm. You know, if for some reason the females need to pick up the slack here because the males are having some problem there, that happens in nature. There's no, the, the you know, the, the reason for them doing what they do is, okay, this is what you have the better advantage at, um, start doing it. But once there's kind of change, nature doesn't think twice. It's like, okay, we need to change. Fine. The roles will change. It's no big deal. We're not going to sit down and say the males have to be in this role and the females have to be in that role. Um, and it has a great line about, um, the, one, one of the problems with defining that within, um, humanity is we have no control group. That, that's what it says. There's no control group for humans because due to culture. So we cannot basically take the culture out of humanity and see exactly what the gender roles would be without that. And I, I thought that was actually a really good observation. We can't take yeah. the culture out of humanity and stay humanity. True. And, I mean, and that's like, uh, you, you, uh, you could, uh, I mean, and people have, like, uh, studied chimpanzee culture um, and, and things like that. Because, uh, like, they, they do have a certain kind of uh, basic culture and the way they do things. So, like, uh, maybe it's all a continuum based on what you call culture as well. He does well, kind of address reason... that in here, doesn't he? He, he addresses the, the idea that they have culture, but it's not to the extent that the humans yeah. have a culture. And once more, I did start this off by saying you could have a good argument over this. I'm not saying I, I love his arguments. I love the facts, but I do see where there are gaps in it, and where you could actually have a really great developed argument over how how far do you go in that direction? How accurate is that you're saying? So no, I, um, there are definitely some holes in what he's saying here, but I like the overall essence of um the way he's presented. I think it's really good argument he's giving. You know, it's it's kind of a hot topic right now. We we just had a um, uh, a, a woman who 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 was who uh, um, Kataji Brown Jackson, right, for the Supreme Court. Yeah. And and she sidestepped the question because she, I mean it was asked in bad faith. But oh yeah, what? How do you define a woman? Yeah, and, and I can guarantee you, the majority of the conservatives that want to ask that question. Don't actually know what the scientific right exactly, <clears throat> and she sidestepped the question rightfully so, um, because like I say, it wasn't asked in good faith. But but they but they but and they knew and and they but they did know and and they use that to, to you know to to this argument that we're having you know about transgender kids and um and and what they're trying to do to them quite frankly, right to yeah. cut them off from medications and stuff like that. Um, and so this this idea of, uh, of of number one letting people know that there's a difference between sex and gender because I because I had to I had to bring that up to you know people I work with I said listen there's a difference between sex and gender yep. and, I, and I had to do my best to fumble through what the difference is and it's not an argument that I'm that I'm as prepared to make as I would like to be um, so so I and I and I felt like the article was also not as prepared to make that argument as it should have been 
<clears throat> yeah. No, th this does feel more like an introductory to the argument. Sure. Yeah, and, it gives and, a lot and that of I get that. Yeah, it gives a lot of good perspective and a lot of good things to think about and look at and say, okay, how does that actually fit? But yeah, it, it doesn't quite go to proving its case fully. I, I'll definitely give you that. Yeah. But it just, it, to me, it was a bit fascinating to read and see that perspective and say, you know, there, there's some good things to try and show people nature itself doesn't follow the rules you keep claiming nature itself follows. We, we keep hitting that. We, you know, oh, it's biological. It's nature that, um, you know, homosexuality doesn't work. Have you looked at nature outside of man? It's there. You know, they, they, we, we want to, yeah. you know, war. I'm sorry, war actually, we, ants, dolphins, I forget what else. There's actually quite a few different species out there that actually do participate in levels of war. There are all these and, things mm -hmm. that we as humans want to pretend aren't out there that are. You know, in, in, in this kind of, in this case, it's uh, it's kind of saying the opposite of that because it's kind of suggesting if uh, if this argument is true, that we humans uh, are the uh, only ones who suffer uh, from uh, uh, this kind of uh, tension over um, uh, people, uh, yeah. uh, not you know, uh, not being but comfortable that's not true in either. their bodies. Yeah, but what you'll get. Well, from you know, how, how how would you know if uh, if a chimpanzee really wanted uh, his genitals? <laughs> but what you'll get from the conservative side on this is gender is defined by nature. You're born with uh, that way, and that's the gender role you have to take. It's like nature doesn't agree with you on that. Nature is very flexible on gender roles. Yeah, but mm -hmm. I, I think though, I mean, I I, I wonder. We, we know we know that when people have set gender reassignment surgeries, that 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 we can that they can tell certain things about the brain and of course they have to wait till they're dead mm. to do this right but on an autopsy of a brain we can they can they can i think that they can tell whether it's a male brain or a female brain that there are some things that make them distinct maybe it's not quite so 100 percent, right but there's some but the, and and we can tell that people that have had reassign gender reassignment surgeries maybe if they're if, if they were born what we would call male and they transitioned that their brains actually actually looked like female brains and so that there is there is there's something going on under the under under the hood that you yeah. can't just see and, and well Right. And and that, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean it's uh it could still be like completely cultural it doesn't mean that it's or it's probably like a, a combination of the two as pretty much the, everything the, is but yeah culture yeah. like uh stuff we do know that experiences in in life uh can uh change the way your brain you know is but yeah. the the actual structure the, the the viewable structure of the brain can change <clears throat> uh, i guess but from those kind of things the the, well, the, the point i want to well, wait, let me let me finish okay, my point. Yeah. The point I want to make is that the, the, they want to make the argument as simple as whether or not you have a penis or a vagina. And it's not. And it's not that simple. And whether it's cultural or whether it's something as a brain state, for for the only person who can tell me if they're a man or a woman is the person. Yep. And an I animal can't tell me that. Right. Exactly, now, and, yeah. So – in all this stuff, one thing I was looking up is intersex. Basically, you know, you know what a hermaphrodite is, but that's become kind of a almost insulting term. But the, the general essence of what they are is an intersex. Uh, well, we just said Kim, Kimberly was intersex. It is in, it is estimated that two percent of the population is actually intersex because there are so many categories. That's like no, they're not the typical XXXY chromosome stuff. They don't fit into that. About 2%, it's estimated 2% of our population is not male or female. 
They don't fit. They don't have the right chromosomes. They might appear one or the other, and sometimes they don't even know it themselves because you don't go and test chromosomes of everyone. But the all the variations of chromosomes that are out there, there's a couple dozen of them. And like I said, they make up about 2% of our population. So if you ever hear someone say, oh, there's only two sexes, uh, no. Science has already proven that completely wrong. Yeah, we know because you can have a woman or, or a person that presents as a woman that has that, that their chromosomes are XXY. Yeah. So are they a man um, or a woman? If they have a, if they have a Y chromosome, aren't no. they a man? And like I said, to me, I was just surprised at the 2% thing. I'm like, wow, yeah, that is that way is more than, than I'd I, expect. Yeah. That, that means we, I, I, we all know probably a good dozen or so people who are intersex, and a lot of them themselves might not know it. But that's besides the point. It's still out there. They're not male or female. They are, you know, and so it, that, that alone kills the whole um, argument. But that, that's one of the big things that will get ignored. Well, if it was that simple, then it would kill the argument. But unfortunately, the argument persists, right? Because yeah. because there there is – there. The, I mean, while we're trying to understand it – They do that it, on uh, common genetic tests, do they? Well, but it, it, it kind of doesn't matter because, yeah. it, once again, it's going to come back to culture. Right, because yeah. the, 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 here's the thing: is that we're I, we're trying to meet people where they are. Right? If somebody if somebody if somebody says that they're a woman, I'm gonna I, I'm just gonna take them at, at you know at what they say. But we but we have people that are trying to legislate who don't want to meet people where they are. I, I can't kind of understand hand wringing about it when it comes to children, but you know, like, uh, and that actually, um, goes, I'm I'm going to connect into my article that I put in here. That, okay, good. Um, yeah. That's one reason why I actually put these two in there. Yep. Um, so the article is, few transgender children change their minds after five years. Basically, um, the vast majority of the um, youngsters who start the transitional stuff, the completely safe stuff that doesn't mess up the, anything about them, it just halts their hormones until they decide to go one way or the other. Um, apparently... The, the, the studies have found the vast majority of them after five years are still fine with the transition. They have no problem whatsoever because, you know, and that makes sense. It's not some, it's, they, they don't feel it's being forced on. They don't feel that they have to act a certain way. They just feel this is who they are. There's also the factor that uh, sometimes when children are born, the uh, genitalia can be ambiguous uh, kind of confusing yeah. you can't tell whether and, it's one or the other that's, that's and right. usually yeah. what happens is that the doctors decide to do what yeah. sometimes not to even the parents so and this is one of the things so we, we go back to kimberly who you who used to be a member of this podcast this was one of the one of the things that she always w w was talking about is that that doctors and parents should not be doing that that kid needs to no. be allowed to develop and decide on their own. You can't make that decision for the kid at that stage. And and we and we've seen when they do it and get it wrong how difficult it is on that child. Yeah, it's sooner or later. About some guy. You all, you all walked over Mac. I, I just was just saying, yeah, it is. Okay. Um, usually, when the doctors decide, it's based on what would be easier. Correct. What they think would be easier. Yeah. Yeah. But so the, the article here says the research discovered that 94% of the group recognized as still um, recognize themselves as transgender f five years later. So 94% is a huge, you know, it, it goes against the idea that they're being pressured into it, they're being pushed into it, and they're confused. Well, if within five years they're still saying, yeah, that's who I am, no, it, it, it's definitely more than just a fad. Well, some of them I agree it probably is. They're, they're experimenting, figuring out who they sure, are. Sure, and that's okay. It's, it's 6% kind of fits for that. 
it's kind of weird this idea they have that parents are pushing this on their kids. Yeah. I guess uh, they, they uh, I guess that's how they have to think of it. It's like they they believe like that this is some conspiracy to to try to get as many kids as possible to be gay and uh, uh, I guess uh, also transgender or whatever just to uh, I guess ruin uh, the the uh, nuclear family. Yeah. Uh, but um, it, 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 that's this uh, this idea that it's the parents that are putting pressures on the kids to do these things, and it's like, no, if they, if that comes up, the, the parent, it's not the parents who are bringing this up to the kids. Uh, I've never heard of a case where that, I'm not saying that's impossible for that kind of thing to happen, but it, uh, I, it's just not a thing that uh, I, I, I don't think you ever, that, that really ever happens, you know, yeah. if at all. So this asshole conservative writer... Um, not too long ago, I wish I could remember the name of the book or even his name right now, though I, I don't know if I want to advertise for him, did a kid's book, which was something like, um, I basically pick an animal, like a walrus, I think, or something like that. And the whole idea of the book was the kid started playing around as being a walrus. And the parents, oh, you really want to be a walrus, so we're going to push you to do everything to become a walrus. I'm like, that's not how it happens. Because basically he was trying to uh, mock the transgender thing and say it's the parents' fortune and all this other stuff. And I, but nearly, I haven't read the book. I just saw the, um, the stuff on it. I'm like, you really have never talked to a transgender person in your life if you think that bullshit is even close to being accurate. And I have to say that uh, I've seen where somebody was pushed to be a walrus. <laughs> it was a sad, sad movie. It was not one of Kevin Smith's better movies. Who, who does walrus plasty? Uh, I thought that that one got caught in some um, some netting. <laughs> and uh, got strangled somehow with the netting. So- South Park actually has a whole episode about this, and 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 they and w- and I forget which character it is. I think it's Kyle's dad um, that gets dolphin plasty. Yeah, I mean they they, they they really showed just how ridiculous that argument. Yeah, yeah, that's it's disingenuous too. They know better, right? They they really do know better. I think I think that these people. I mean, I, I think that. That part of some of sometimes I think that these controversies that they're starting up are just to uh, play to their base. Yeah, of course. And and, and, and well, they and, oh. if they can't figure it out themselves or do not understand the other side of it, they have to try to fig- They have to try to uh, rationalize mm. on why it's happening because to them it yeah. should not be happening. Therefore, right. something's wrong and someone's pushing them into it. Yeah. So the claim is that because it's being accepted that everyone's going to it as a fad. They're not thinking the opposite way around that actually, if you, especially if you talk to some older transgender people, they will say, I have felt this way all my life. I just could never transition because society um, would mock me for it. And now that I can transition, I feel the happiest I've ever been, the freest I've ever been. They've been that way for their whole life. But if society was not allowing them to express themselves the way they felt they had to, which says, no, the problems have been there and probably been there throughout all of humanity. Sure. Um, yeah. And it comes down to they want to do this, but if society mocks them, they have to hide and become someone they're not, which um, they've even shown. Um, people who transition, um, they, they, they are less depressed, less likely to be suicidal, all this other stuff, especially if they have an open community that accepts them for who they are, where they can just go out and be themselves and not be mocked and ridiculed for it. They are happier. They're, they're, you know, like I said, depression and all that vanishes basically when they start being allowed to be themselves and be accepted for who they are. So the issue, go that, figure. 
Yeah, but one of the issues is these the, is the um, the puberty blockers, and they're making an issue about a puberty blockers. And one of the yeah. things about these puberty blockers is that once once you take the kid off the puberty blocker, they 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 they, they go through puberty as normal. Yeah, it and might be so, a little later, but that's it. Right, and so I, I don't know how long you can safely take those. I I mean, I imagine that that there's there, there's a limit. Yeah. Um, uh, but but somebody can take and, those puberty blockers and make the decision for themselves, right? They can they can wait till the they can wait until they till they can make the decision themselves. And my understanding is that there there that there is no downside to doing this, yeah. but they want to block the- them. Yeah, despite the propaganda, the doctors are not going to be forcing the kids to do stuff that's not healthy for them just because they have an agenda. Exactly, that's bullshit. Yeah, it it is bullshit, right? And it's not and it's not child abuse to let your child figure out who they are. Yeah, yeah. So and also, it doesn't happen at, at any particular time. A good example is Chuck, the owner of Mile High Comics. Um, he's actually a really interesting guy to talk to, and has um his life is really kind of crazy. But not too long ago, I forget what he had. Might have been a stroke, but he was hospitalized. When he came out of that, he became transgender. Well, I mean, um, he, his brain he's, changed. He's, he's, he's yeah, he's generally male for the most part, but he has a female persona now. He's big in the drag scene. He loves it. It's a very welcoming thing, and he does it. And he says, "Both of these are my true self." It's just you know, I, I went through some stuff. I changed. I became a different person, and I realized the side of me that I, I had to explore, and it's been great. It's, you know, he'll, he'll, he will go into just how refreshing it is to have that side of him and how everyone around him accepts him. They're not judging him. He has this great um, support base behind him. And, you know, he talks about how he wants to share that with everyone. He, he um, does the all-ages drag shows out here that have been hugely controversial. At the point that they actually have a, um, you, you can sign up to volunteer to have a rainbow parasol and protect the kids entering Mile High Comics from all the protesters. Yeah, the problem is the wall of that. We have it's a whole bunch. We have a whole bunch of dishonest interlocutors up there going, "Oh, the children!" And and, and oh, they really also- haven't. And they really haven't looked at the actual problem. They're just using it as a platform. Yeah, and this is actually no. healthy for the children because drag itself is not inherently sexual. You can make drag sexual. I'll, I'll openly admit that. But most drag is not in and of itself sexual. It is expression. Yeah. It is a community of accepting people for who they are and expressing yourself the way you feel you need to. And kids of all ages can benefit from that. All right, Mad Cat, lastly, you, you get to end this. There's also the factor that there are hermaphrodites who, as they are younger, they come out as fe- they seem to be female. But by the time they hit puberty, they actually have a drop, uh, dropping of ball. Uh, Testicular, testicles, yeah, testicles, and uh, they grow a penis. Yep, All from, right. from the from you know their regular um, the vulva. I forget yeah. exactly how it does. That's but, okay. We don't. We don't anyway, think they, they, they would grow, the, the clit would grow into a penis. I'd yeah. imagine. Yeah, it yeah. becomes more of what the they actually are. But at the start, they start out as female, and then let's okay. Yep. Well, let's end this on something a little less controversial. Because they finally figured out how, how these big old rocks are moving across Death Valley. And it's ghosts. Right? Right, right Thomas? It's ghosts. Settled. Yes. Uh, yep. Ghosts. Uh, mystery solved. 
Night, Let's everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is really fascinating. Um, and it took, and the thing is, is that it took a very long time to figure it out. That people just had no idea how how, the, how these rocks, these huge rocks, and you could see the trails would move from one part of Death Valley to the other. Right, right. Um, this is um, a, a particular uh, place in Death Valley. A lot of you might have heard of it. It's called uh, the Racetrack Playa, uh, which is a dry lake bed. Um, uh, there, uh, there is uh, uh, some uh, some water uh, uh, that uh, uh, gets uh, built up. We'll go into uh, that later. Um, but uh, yeah, there uh, for uh, uh, actually, uh, for, it's been like a century, hasn't it? Uh, these were uh, first noticed that uh, they they find these uh, rocks uh, in, in in this uh, uh, lake bed, and they'd see the trails coming out behind them, and nobody ever saw them moving. And, and, um, and uh, I, I looked into it. It's like uh, you know, you, 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 if you've seen the shows, they'll be it, it, they'll make it sound like it's just you know like uh, um, they're, that they're moving uh, when people's backs are turned or something like it. Just the next day, people will go on these things, but that that's not quite the case. Um, apparently, uh, one of one of the things uh, holding up uh, the research on this was that it takes very specialized conditions and you, you, you'd have to wait for months and months and months even for uh, anything to happen and with movement, uh, marking specific rocks and stuff. Or uh, uh, they, they had a number of different uh, uh, things to try to figure out where, when and where these rocks are moving. And a lot of them seem to be moving together in, in patterns and, and stuff as, as though it was the same force. Um, and it it was stumping. This is, this is one of those cases where uh, scientists were, in fact, uh, stumped and stymied and uh, gobsmacked, whatever uh, adjective you want to use there. Yeah. So, so what? So, what was the result? How how do these rocks move across the desert? No. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's uh, let's cut right to it. Uh, there, there were two uh, main uh, uh, camps of thought on this. Uh, the first was that um, oh, it, it's really strong winds uh, are moving. Um, and, uh, uh, they, they did some tests and that, that, um, uh, and they, they, the other, uh, camp was that, uh, well, it was the ice that was moving. And, um, uh, really interestingly, it turns out that, uh, it was actually kind of both. Um, uh, kind the, of, I think, I think, it, I think the conditions require both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, basically, uh. Uh, the water will uh, accumulate uh, at, at the lowest uh, point, but um, uh, in special in special conditions, this water will uh, basically uh, something called a seesh event. Uh, water will, will uh, cover it'll cover these rocks, and they're imagining that uh, if ice played a part of this, it would have to be like really really thick slabs of ice. But no, no, it only requires very thin what they're calling uh, window pane uh, ice uh, to cover uh, uh, the rocks. And the thing is, what 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 happens is that uh, it, it's kind of like a glacier, um, pretty much uh, that it forms around these, and only thin amounts. But you know, it makes it so that the wind and it doesn't, it it can't be a strong wind. It has to be just a gentle wind in a in a certain. Uh, uh, certain range uh, can just gently pull them, and then and then these things uh, with with the ice, the 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 stones will move together, uh, even turning at certain uh, as you can see in their paths. But it, it happens over like fifteen minutes, and then it's done. It's crazy, and it, the, the 
in, the, in its very unique conditions to do this because it has to freeze just right. The wind has to be just right. And in that area, it just seems to happen. And, and you see all these tracks of these large rocks. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the, the ground is uh, uniquely good for this too because it, it is like uh, uh, flat. You can see here, it's um, uh, there, there's uh, uh, not much uh, in the way of the rocks. And uh, the, the surface uh, is just, it looks like eminently slideable. Uh, uh, as the the rocks are going, and it's, it's one of those cool things where nature just does whatever the hell it wants, and it's remarkable. Yep, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, and it, uh, that what they finally had to do in order to figure it out, they they had to like bring their own basically make their own rock and like uh, uh, put uh, uh, GPS, GPS tra yeah. tracking uh, right in them, so that they could know the moment they started to move, and then they're like, get down there, we gotta see what's going on. So cool. All right, well, I, I think on, on that uh, not disappointment, we, we should say goodnight, everybody. Night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Another one? I don't know. What kind of can is it, Mac? <laughs> the can will let us know. If you've made it this far, that's an hour of your time you're never getting back. But the amateur skeptics appreciate you giving that hour to us. If you'd like to tell us how you felt about spending that hour with us, let us know at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. The Amateur Skeptics Podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons Share-Alike No Derivatives 3.5 license. Intro music by Peter Canold. Find more of Peter's music at SoundCloud.com forward slash P-K-A-N-O-L. Exit music by OFM. Find more of their music at MySpace.com forward slash OFMHQ. Artwork for the Amateur Skeptics by Sean Smith Ford. Copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture.